without Jesus is just more stress. And what's interesting is poverty without Jesus is stress. But means or poverty with a settled trust in the biblical God is all just opportunity. It's all just opportunity. And God wants us to be in that place as his people. He wants you and I to trust him with tomorrow because he is the trustworthy, true, and living God. Whether you have money to spare or you live in an impoverished situation, you're instructed to give generously. You're also told not to worry about your resources. Pastor Daniel will remind you today that what you have in this world belongs to God anyways. He will provide all you need. Anything extra is a blessing that can be used to help others. Give to the Lord and to others from your money, your time, and your talents, and trust Him to provide for you always. Here's Pastor Daniel in Exodus chapter 35 as he continues his message, Preparations to Build. And so generosity, not only in finance, that's just one area of life, but generosity in time, in service. Oftentimes, the biggest generous things that we can do for people are simply taking the time to acknowledge them. Just simply saying thank you or hi. It's a huge thing. But we should be radically generous as humans with all that God has entrusted to us. Time, talents, treasures. But if we look at the core of our hearts, all of us struggle with generosity, don't we? Because we don't trust we know that Jesus told us to look at the, the sparrows. And the sparrows, they don't, they don't have like, you know, worm farms. You ever see, a, you know, a bunch of birds and they got like a, a worm harvesting farm, genetically modified? Pumping extra chemicals to get bigger, fatter worms. But he says, look, the birds of the air, they don't worry. They're not worried about where their next meal is going to come from. And aren't you of more value than them? I mean, that's a classic teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. But yet we spend so much time freaking out, right? We spend spend so much time worrying about tomorrow when Jesus says over and over again, don't worry, don't worry. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Don't worry about tomorrow. I got tomorrow. And all the worrying doesn't change your circumstances. It just changes you in your circumstances, which makes your circumstances more dire than they really are. But yet in our anxiety and our fear of scarcity, we try and accumulate to try and fix tomorrow. It's interesting. I was, before I moved up here to be a part of Crossroads, I was living in the Bay Area, uh, the North Bay, just uh, in Marin County, just north of San Francisco, one of the wealthiest counties in the country. And it's amazing the level of anxiety that people who have excessive amounts of wealth actually have. Because everyone's angling for their money. I never saw people so, and I was working in the finance field as a part-time job. I ne- people with literally tens of millions of dollars in assets 
going, getting sick with ulcers, trying to make sure they know where their money is and what's going on with it. I thought to myself, for people who don't have this, they think that once they get there, everything's going to be easy. And the people who are there are having ulcers because they have all this stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. If you have means, it can avail you to a lot of things, but there is always a shadow side if you don't trust the living God. Means without Jesus is just more stress. And what's interesting is poverty without Jesus is stress. But means or poverty with a settled trust in the biblical God is all just opportunity. It's all just opportunity. And God wants us to be in that place as his people. He wants you and I to trust him with tomorrow because he is the trustworthy, true, and living God. We want to be generous knowing that if we're generous, God's going to take care of us. And he's going to use all sorts of ways to do it. But most of us, what happens is is we get blessed and then we want to hold on to the blessings. And what you find is that if you hold on to the blessings and you don't let those blessings flow through your life, God never puts more in. Because you're just like, I got it. Where God just wants you to say, look, Lord, you know, like, when was the last time you got your tax return? You thought, Lord, who can I bless with this? Almost never, right? It's always like, well, I can fix the air conditioner. I can go on a vacation, pay down debt, right? You think of all these things, but you never once think, Lord, do you want me to do something with this? See, God's so radically generous. I mean, is there anyone more generous than the true and living God who gave his only begotten son to die for rebels like you and me? And, and the Christian life is becoming more and more like him by his spirit. Not because you have to, not because I'm giving you some subtle reverse psychology guilt trip, but because you're like, man, Lord, you are so good to me. Lord, you have taken care of every one of my needs and I have hope for tomorrow because you've taken care of me thus far. And it hasn't always been pretty and I've done a lot of freaking out along the way, but Lord, you got this. I'm still here today. And we live out of the abundance of knowing that God is God and we are not. We don't have to freak out about tomorrow because he already has tomorrow. And when God sets us free from the anxiety that makes us think that we're living in scarce times that leads to accumulation, then you and I start to live in abundance. And abundance has nothing to do with how much is in the bank. It has to do with how much is in the heart of God that he places into us. So brothers, sisters, be released to be generous as God is generous. Don't fear scarcity because our Bibles tell us that God owns cattle on a thousand hills and that's old school way of saying that God's got it covered. That's old school for God's got a diverse portfolio. That God has it going on. And what's interesting is in a wealthy culture, that's even less palatable than in cultures that don't have the material means that we do. And that's a unique thing. For those of you who've traveled to develop what we call developing countries, it's amazing how generous people are there. It's amazing. And it's amazing what you look at it in contrast to a very wealthy culture like ours with the lack of generosity. But here, God says, whoever has a willing heart, let them give. And look at what happens in verse 10. All who are gifted 
artisans among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent, its covering, its clasp, its boards, its bars, its pillars, and its sockets, the ark and its poles, verse 12, with the mercy seat and the veil of the covering, the table and its poles, all its utensils and the showbread, also the lampstand for light, its utensils, its lamps, and the oil for the light, the incense altar, its poles, the anointing oil, the sweet incense, and the screen for the door at the entrance of the tabernacle. Verse 16, the altar of burnt offerings with its bronze grating, its poles, all its utensils, and the laver and its base, the hangings of the court, its pillars, their sockets, and the screen for the gate, the pegs of the tabernacle, the pegs of the court and their cords, the garments of ministry for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister as priests. Now, these are all the different articles that are in the tabernacle. Now, we're not going to talk about them this week because starting next week, as we look at verse chapters 36 to 39, we're actually going to go through all of them again, and we're going to see that they're building it. When we saw them the first time, it says, I want you to build it this way. And now when we get to 36 to 39, starting next week, we're going to see, and they built it that way. So once again, he goes through, these are all the things, and we want those gifted artisans. And we'll talk about them in a second. Now, in verse 20, it says, and all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. In verse 21, then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all its service and for the holy garments. They came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart, and brought earrings and nose rings, rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold, that is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. Verse 23, And every man with whom was found blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, Red skins of rams and badger skins brought them. Everyone who offered an offering of silver or bronze brought the Lord's offering. And everyone with whom was found acacia wood for any work of the service brought it. All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, and scarlet, and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. And the rulers brought onyx stones and the stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate and the spices and oil for the light, for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord, all the men and women, material for all kinds of work, which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, had commanded to be done. Now, the presentation of the offering. Now, notice that the willingness of the people is mentioned repeatedly here in verses 21, 22, 26, and 29. Over and over and over again, we come back to the fact that people just willingly brought what they had. Notice, there's no gender distinction. Both men and women brought. Notice, the rulers were the ones who brought the precious stones. And you got to remember that in that culture, you might say, well, they were, they were slaves and servants. How are their rulers? Remember, it's a very strongly patriarchal culture. So the oldest man in those cultures were the rulers of the tribes. And ultimately, in any family, if there was some very precious stones, that would be in the possession of the person who guided that family. 
But over and over again, you have everybody brought something. Everybody brought what they had free willingly. Nobody said you have to do it. Everyone just came bringing women who could make yarn and these different threads. They just made it and brought it. And really, that's the way the body of Christ is designed to work. That all of us bring what we have. All of us bring our differing gifts, our differing talents. And we all do it together. And nobody is thought of as better or worse based on what they did. It wasn't like, well, the rulers, they really brought the precious stones and they're the really important people. And the people, the women who spun yarn and goat's hair, they're just kind of doing that. No, everybody was celebrated for the part that they played. And brothers and sisters, that's the way the family of God works. As a pastor, oftentimes people think, oh, well, you know, the pastor is really important to a church. I'm just the mouthpiece here. And we're all grateful that it's not all mouth all the time, right? You get a migraine. You guys have friends like that, right? They just talk the whole time. Talk, 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 talk. And after a while, you're like, enough already, enough talking. Right? We're all equally part of the body of Christ. And I love this about this passage because over and over again, everybody brought, all the people had a part in building God's sanctuary. And what's interesting is that without each person playing their particular part, the work could not be completed. Imagine if the women were like, well, this is just a guy thing. It's not really a, a gal thing. And there wouldn't have been any of the yarn or the, or the gold tear. If the rulers were like, well, listen, I, you know, I'm a ruler, so I don't really need to be involved in this. Then they would never have been able to make the ephod with all the precious stones that was symbolic of the priest standing before the presence of the God in the name of all the tribes. Everybody brought what they had, and all of it was absolutely necessary. So taking this discussion out of the realm of finances and just placing it in us as a family of faith, all of us need to bring what we have. Every single one of us has a necessary place in the family of God to be useful for his kingdom. Some of you are supposed to be greeters. Some of you are supposed to be teaching in Sunday school. Some of you are like, look, I just need to volunteer because I'm really good swinging a hammer. It doesn't matter what the skill set is. All of it is to be used in the people of God. Some of you might be saying, well, listen, you know, Pastor, that's all great, but, you know, my body is breaking down and I really can't do all those other things. Well, you can pray. God, do a work in the people. Lord, bless our community. Enlarge our reach. See, there is room for everybody to do what God has called them to do within the family of God and then in your neighborhoods. But if we do not apply our five loaves and two fish to the work of the Lord, people don't get reached. The body suffers. If you've ever been sick, you know what how poorly the whole body functions when one part of your body is not working. Like imagine if all of a sudden you woke up tomorrow and you couldn't move your hands. That would make things challenging, wouldn't it? Or you couldn't move your feet. Or if your digestive system just stopped working. Or if all of a sudden you woke up and your eyes you couldn't see, or you couldn't use your mouth, or your nose is clogged. 
or you have ear infections. I mean, no matter what part of the body it is, when things start breaking down, the whole body suffers. The whole body suffers. And so in this, it's beautiful because each different person, they just brought what they had. Women who had certain gifts, they did that. The rulers who had the precious stones, they brought that. But it took everybody, it took everybody together to do the work of the Lord. Not just one person or a few people, but everybody adding what they had. I mean, look at verse 29, this beautiful summary statement. The children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring materials for all kinds of work, which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, had commanded to be done. See how beautiful that is? Over and over again, we see both men and women did it. Everything was brought to contribute to the house of the Lord. It was all voluntary. It was made to God's work. And the people realized that, yeah, the Lord was speaking through Moses. And God wanted this. And everyone's like, okay, we're going to jump on in. Now look what happens in verse 30. Because now we start to focus a little bit more on the artisans, the people who God had given specific gifts to be the artisans to create and, and build these things. In verse 30 it says, And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge, in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all the manner of artistic workmanship. Verse 34, And he put in his heart the ability to teach in him and Aholiab, the son of Asimach of the tribe of Dan, he has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen and of the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works. Now, what's beautiful about this is everybody is engaged, but God's like, look, I've given my spirit to two specific people to be the people who run point on this and also teach others to do it. Two people are called out to say, God's saying, look, I've anointed them to do a special work. Now, what's interesting is most often when you think of the Spirit's anointing, you think of the Spirit's anointing on a pastor or on a preacher or on a musician. When was the last time you thought about the Spirit's anointing on a builder and a designer? See, the Spirit of God anoints all of us to be the part of the body He's called us to be. Just as much as the Spirit of God was on Moses, it's on Bezalel and and Aholiab, these people who are there to do the work, to roll up their sleeves and get calloused hands to put all this stuff together. And brothers and sisters, listen, the Holy Spirit wants to anoint you to be the part of the body He's created you to be. It's not just about, all oh, the Spirit moves through the pastor or the worship leader. No, the Spirit of God wants to indwell and move through all of us to do what we've been created to do. And that is the game changer on being part of the body of Christ, right there. Your place in the body of Christ has nothing to do with how much ability you think you have or don't have, how skilled you think you have or don't have, or if you think people are going to like you. That doesn't matter at all. Most of God's best used people, nobody liked. I mean, think of Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah was the most faithful of preachers. And how'd it go for Jeremiah? He had a, a totally bunk ministry. Nobody got saved. I mean, was there a more faith? He cried the whole time. He ended up in jail. I mean, it was all bad for Jeremiah. But was Jeremiah faithful to the Lord? Now, think about who was real successful, Jonah. Jonah's heart was real right with the Lord, wasn't he? I mean, think about it. Jonah preached and all of Nineveh repented and Jonah's mad about it. Lord, I knew you were going to do that. Stinking merciful God. I don't like the Ninevites. I thought you didn't either. He's the one who's successful. I mean, if you're having an evangelistic outreach, you're calling Jonah, not Jeremiah. But whose heart was right before the Lord? Jeremiah's was. Jonah was a knucklehead par excellence. But it doesn't matter if you think people are going to like you or not. It's all about the Spirit's anointing to place you as a vibrant part of the people of God. When was the last time you thought of yourself as anointed of the Lord to be a part of his family? I love this. These men, God's spirit was upon them. And not just like the spirit of being good with their hands either. I mean, look at what it says here in verse 31. He has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge and all matter of workmanship. It doesn't say, yeah, man, I gave this guy special hands and he can make anything. It's like, no, you got the Lord's wisdom and his understanding and his knowledge and the gift of workmanship. And that's the way the Lord anoints. The Lord says, look, I want to, I want to fill you with my spirit and I want to give you my wisdom, all my understanding, all my knowledge, and I want to give you a specific set of skills to be my workmanship to do what God has asked of you. But for most of us, we don't step out because we don't feel like we got it going on. But you, anointed by the Spirit, unstoppable. That's the Bible. That's what it tells us. That God wants to anoint frail and broken people like you and me who have all sorts of baggage and issues and fears and all this stuff. And he says, look, I just want to flow through. I'm going to give you my spirit, all my wisdom, all my knowledge, all my understanding. And I'm going to give you a specific set of skills that I'm entrusting to you to be used for my kingdom. So what's stopping us then? I'm here to tell you in faith, nothing. Nothing can stop you when you are in the Spirit walking with Jesus. Brothers and sisters, don't let anything stop you. If God has given you a place in His family by faith in Jesus, then God also wants to use you as a vibrant part of the family. Jesus is God has given you a ministry that only you can do. It might be as small as speaking to one person, or it might be leading a church. Whatever the task, it's yours, and it's been appointed to you by the one who made you. Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that ministry doesn't have to be successful in your eyes. God sees all you do and appreciates your heart more than the effect you have. Trust Him and do as He said. 
If you've enjoyed Pastor Daniel's teaching today on Jesus is Real Radio, we'd like to invite you to join us at Crossroads Community Church for our Sunday services at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you can't come in person, you can still be part of our vital congregation by tuning in to our live stream. Find out more at crossroadschurch.net. That's crossroadschurch.net. Hi, friends. Pastor Daniel here. I'd love for you to be part of the Crossroads Community Church family, but I understand some of our listeners can't make it to the actual church building. If that's you, come join us online. We live stream our Sunday morning services at crossroadschurch.net. So grab a cup of coffee and join us wherever you are for our time of worship and teaching. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, the Israelites will finally begin building the tabernacle. This place of meeting, as Pastor Daniel will remind you, was God moving into the neighborhood. No longer would he be as distant as usual. Now he was right around the corner, dwelling among his people. When Jesus comes on the scene centuries later, God moves even closer into your own heart. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Tabernacle. Until then, may God bless.